This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lappin. The helpline is open. There's a funny phenomenon I've seen time and time again while either talking to entrepreneurs who are struggling with some problem in their business or just someone who can't figure out how to get a job or why they aren't being promoted. And anyway, the problem is this. The problem you think you have is not the problem you actually have. (laughs) You might not even know the problem you have. And if you do not know what I'm talking about, well, (laughs) it's it's possible that you have this problem right now. But, But also fear not, because you can see this discovery unfold right here, right now. A listener named Rosalie recently reached out to the Help Wanted helpline because she'd created a new product and ran into a big problem with it. But as you will hear as we started digging into what went wrong, we discovered that the answer she was looking for, really looking for, had nothing to do with the initial question she had reached out about. Okay, enough setup. Let's listen in on that call. Rosalie, welcome to Help Wanted. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. So, Rosalie, you wrote me with a question about a product that you make. You want to read that? Yeah. So I launched a face serum in November 2022, and I feel like I'm having a hard time getting people to change to my serum, which is all natural and way better than store products because I make it myself. Do you have any tips on how to convince people to change over to my product? Thank you so much for your time. And Rosalie, the name of your product is? It's Lamour Skincare. So let's just set a couple basics here. Number one, for those who don't know, possibly myself included, what is a face serum? Okay, so a face serum is um, an evening oil that you use after you wash your face at night. And it's really healing. It's all natural. It has all the good vitamins that you need for your skin to help um, heal it, rejuvenate it, um, brighten it, all these different good properties with vitamin A, C, and E, super healing. And as well as like lots of antioxidants too, which the skin needs, which we're lacking. And just as you get older too, your face gets drier. So it's really nice to have just to bring that brightness and youth back. And have you ever created and tried to sell a product before? Um, yes, actually, I, I do on the side with my sisters. We sell like bath and body products and different array of little luxury items like scrunchies and stuff. Oh, that's cool. And how are those businesses going? Uh, really well. That's awesome. So the thing that you reached out to me about was that you're having a hard time getting people to change to your serum. So which is to say that people already are using a product or maybe they're not, maybe they're not using anything, but you're struggling to get them to convert. Before we talk about that, I'm curious because you have other businesses and you make other products. Have you run into this challenge in your other businesses? Have you struggled, for example, to get somebody to switch over to your scrunchie? Um, no, not really. But I think it maybe the price point for some people is, you know, we sell our scrunchies like four for 20, whereas my serum is at $70 for a 50 ml bottle, right? So that price point right now for people is kind of like, well, well, that's pretty expensive versus a cheaper product like a scrunchie, right? And how are you selling? How are you selling the scrunchies? Uh, we sell them online with our Instagram, and we also go to markets, and we run a market ourselves too in the summertime as well. And you're doing the same thing with the serum. You're selling it through Instagram and through markets. Yes. Yeah. Great. So this is all really helpful. 
So you launched this in 2022 and you're struggling to get people to try it. Yes. Have you asked people why they haven't tried it? Um, no, <laughs> no, that hasn't been a question that's crossed my mind. Usually people are like, oh, no, I'm not interested. And then they just kind of like walk away. So I'm just like, OK, cool. Like, thank you. <laughs> Oh, so right. Because that's happening in person. You're seeing somebody walk yeah. by you in a market and you're like, would you like to try my serum? And they say, no. And then that's the end of it. Yeah. So that's interesting. But also that's a somewhat different issue, Rosalie, because you're framing this as people changing to your serum. But one thing that I'm pulling out of that little exchange right now is that you don't know if that is someone who is not interested in changing to your serum or someone who doesn't know what a serum is. Right. And you don't know which problem you're looking at right now. Yeah. Is that would you say that that's the case across the board like as you as you struggle to figure out how to get people to engage, do you know if you're dealing with the problem of introducing a product or the problem of trying to switch their allegiances to the product? That's actually a good question. And maybe it's the introducing of it. It could be. Maybe the wording that I'm using or you know, like the idea of like the oil that I use, they're like, oh, I don't want to put oil on my face, but it's like an oil that you think like canola oil or something that you would cook with. Like, I don't know if people are getting lost in the idea of like what an oil is in regards to that. So yeah, I think that that's actually a great place to start because the first thing you have to do when you're facing a problem like this is figure out what kind of problem you actually have. Do you have a switching allegiances problem? Do you have a consumer education problem? I'll give you two quick little stories of people who I've met who have grappled with this so you can see the distinction. And I'll do it on a big and small level. So on a big level, Sabra, hummus. Years ago, I was talking to an executive at Sabra, and they were telling me that they have an interesting problem. And the problem is that Sabra is the dominant hummus company in America. They own the largest market share of hummus in, in the country. But most Americans don't know what hummus is. So Sabra actually shouldn't be in the business of trying to draw people away from another hummus company. Sabra actually has to create more consumers by teaching people what the hell hummus is in the first place. And so the way that they've been doing that is through their marketing and advertising, also through their product development. So they started to make hummuses that frankly, for anybody who really loves hummus, sound disgusting or possibly offensive, <laughs> like <laughs> chocolate hummus and <laughs> buffalo, like wild wing hummus or whatever. Not exactly that, but you know, th that was the direction. Mm -hmm. Because what they were doing was trying to find an on-ramp so that people are like, oh, this is kind of like other things that I have. And then they literally sent trucks around the country. I went to one in suburban Salt Lake City where they would park outside of a mall or something, and then they would hand out hummus to people who had never heard of hummus. And I stood around waiting to watch this happen, and it it, ha it was it happened. People would walk by, and someone at the truck would be like, have you ever heard of hummus? And they're like, no, I have not. And they're like, oh, it's a delicious dip. And they would give them a little bit, and they had a t table of things that you could dip into the hummus. So they had like <laughs> oh, some pretzels and some chips so that you could see all the different things. And they gave people a little booklet about hummus. And then I watched people as they tried it for the first time. And it was hilarious because they would take like a chip and they would, they would kind of daintily dip it into the hummus because they, they didn't know the consistency. Am I dipping into something hard? It's going to break the chip. Right. Right. And, and so it's important to draw from this little story 
the lesson that sometimes you're in the position of introducing a brand new kind of product to people. And that means that you need to have a different kind of conversation. Hummus is new to people. So Sabra had to be in the position of introducing it. You may really be in the position of introducing the very idea of face serum, which is very different from having a conversation with people about what face serum to buy. Because at that point, the consumer already knows a lot about face serum. You can have a more advanced conversation with them about the kind of oil that you use and the way that. So that's story number one. Story number two is this. I was recently talking to a guy. His name is Jason. And he had this idea to make a healthy chip, like a potato chip, except he didn't want to make it out of potatoes. He wanted to make it out of chicken because then it could be protein. And so he worked with these scientists at food labs and he came up with this thing that he called a chicken chip looks like a potato chip and crunches and eats like a potato chip but it's made out of chicken and he made these bags and it says very plainly on it chicken chips and whole foods stocked this and whenever jason did a sampling at whole foods and got people to try it they bought it but when jason wasn't in the store nobody ever bought this like product did not move Hmm. you want to know why why? Because the name chicken chip is disgusting. That's why. <laughs> like, who's going to eat that? Would you eat a chicken chip? No, probably not. No, no, I wouldn't. So he had to redo the branding by doing a lot of studies about consumers and mm-hmm. what they react to and what makes them comfortable. Right. And he ended up rebranding this thing as a protein chip which was really smart because people know protein bars and they know protein shakes. And so protein chip, it's a natural extension. And now once he's hooked people who already know what this is and the value that it can provide to them, now he can start to have a conversation about what's in it. And it's made with whole chicken and it's made with bone broth or whatever it is. And that has driven significant sales. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. Now I bring it back to you. You don't know what kind of conversation you're having with your consumer because you don't know why someone is saying no. So that is step one. You got to know who you're talking to. And then you're going to have to start figuring out how to have different conversations with people depending on where they're coming from. You don't have this problem with scrunchies. Everyone knows what to do with a scrunchie, but you do have this problem with face serums. Right. So let me ask you, imagine that somebody comes over to you and they say, I have no idea what a face serum is. Mm -hmm. You have 10 seconds to convince them that this is something that they should care about. What do you say? Um, Okay, so it's an all-natural healing product that will help heal your face from whatever ailments might have, like wrinkles, dryness, redness, acne, blemishes, and it just helps smooth out the overall appearance of your skin. Okay, that was pretty good. But <laughs> let me let me let me tell you something that I heard when you started talking. Right. You started talking about healing my face. And if I walk over to you and I'm like, what's this thing? And you're like, it heals your face. The first thing that I'm gonna think is <laughs> my face doesn't require healing. I don't have what do you mean heal? I don't have a large gash on my face. So what if instead you start with the consumer's problem? Instead of telling me your solution without understanding my problem, mm-hmm. turn it around. What if the first thing that you do is when someone comes over and says, Hey, what's a face serum? You start with, 
tell me what you struggle with uh, with your face. Do you struggle with wrinkles? Do you struggle with dryness? Give, give you know, like what, what's what's on your mind or something? You whatever, something better than that. But mm-hmm. then they're going to say something back to you. And now you can have a more targeted, educated conversation with them about how your product solves their specific problem. Mm. Now they see how it fits into their lives rather than you taking a stab in the dark at what works or giving them a broad solution to something that they don't think is a problem. Because maybe they don't use the words that you use, like healing. Maybe somebody doesn't think of wrinkles as in need of healing. And so they're not going to know what you're talking about. But once you start with their problem, then you can start to build towards your solution. Mm, yeah. Okay. That makes total sense. I like that. Now, let's run the scenario where somebody walks by and you say, would you like to try my serum? And they say, oh, no, I already buy Sephora's serum or whatever. I don't know. I don't know who makes serum. Now, what do you say? Um, okay. I would say, well, our serum that we use is all natural and it's handmade and the base oil that we use is argan oil. So super great in regards to fair trade. It's sustainably sourced and it also doesn't have any sort of additives or preservatives in it that you might be able to find in other serums such as Sephora. Something I think. <laughs> I think I would probably get stumped for a second. I'd be like, um <laughs> <laughs> But that's but that's good. This is why I mean, I'm really glad that we're thinking through this because those are the these are the two conversations that you're gonna have. And with your consumer who is already using a serum, you're able to have a more educated conversation, which which is exciting. But that means that you better really know how to reach them on on their level. Right. And know what they care about, which is do you know what makes someone switch serums? No, I don't. <laughs> so I was just having a conversation last week with the chief marketing officer of a company that does cleaning in commercial spaces. So, you know, like let's say you have an office and you need a cleaner to come in and clean the office. You might you might hire that company. And they also position themselves much like you as a green solution. They're a natural solution. And they're they're struggling to figure out um how to draw more customers in. So I asked the guy, I said, "Well, why does someone switch to your company? Like, why did someone leave other companies and go to your company? And he said, we don't know. We, we actually haven't done that research. And I said, all right, well, why do people switch cleaning companies in general? Right. And he said, the number one reason is because they were dissatisfied with their previous cleaner because they didn't show up and clean, which is apparently a problem in the cleaning business that people don't actually show up and clean. So now this is interesting, isn't it? Because the positioning that the company has is about how their product is eco-friendly. But the number one reason that people switch their cleaning companies isn't because they're concerned about eco-friendliness. It's because the previous company didn't clean, Mm. which means that the first conversation that you should have with a potential customer shouldn't be about eco-friendliness. That's a good thing to have, but it's like a secondary sell. The primary sell is going to be about reliability because that's the reason that people switch. So the more that you know about what drives someone to leave one thing and go to another, the more you can then start to have a conversation with them that's anticipating what's going to be most on their minds. I never thought of that to kind of look at it from that perspective. That makes sense, though. (laughs) Yeah. So now I'm curious that you're hearing that. How could you get that information? I could do like 
a poll with people and ask them like what keeps them going back to the products that they're using or like what they like about them or what they don't like about them and um maybe try to find like a bridge that would like satisfy them with all those issues or or good things that they have to bring them over to our serum maybe yeah i think those are all great steps it's about starting conversations with people so that right. you can get insights into what they value and what they consider their problems to be. I would say the next time that you're at a market, mm-hmm. and this is going to sound counterintuitive because what's the point of being at a market if not to try to sell your product? But next time you're at the market, don't think of yourself as trying to move any product. Think of yourself as just there to try to start conversations with people about face serums, right? Because then it's like, you know, the very beginning of the conversation is different. Right. Now you're not, hey, would you like to try my face serum? No. Instead, (laughs) maybe it's, hey, what bothers you about your face? What? What what are you talking about? Now (laughs) Now you're starting a conversation. Right. And now you can get to understand them. Even if they don't buy face serum, that's fine you are going to start to get to know things about what they want and you're going to try a lot of different experiments in those conversations and you're going to see what ultimately drives people to try it. Or maybe at least just to put it on their face, do some sampling at, at, the, at the table. Whatever it is that can start to move people towards trying your product. So if you can draw people to your table and start to have a conversation, then you can start to figure out how to overcome what, Rosalie, I think are going to be some big challenges for you, which you just have to be aware of, which is number one, you're at a high price point. So you're getting people to buy something that's expensive. And then number two, you're in something that's uh, not not an obscure category, but not nearly as widely understandable as scrunchies. So that means that you have to really know as the bar is higher for you for success, for moving a product, then you have to do even more of what business would call consumer insights research, but what you can just think of as get to know your customer and get to know people who are not your customer and get to understand what people are seeing when they hear you and they see your product. And if you get to know that, you will understand how to sell it. Perfect. That's wonderful. I really appreciate all that advice and hearing it from another perspective is is really helpful to to have like that knowledge and be like, oh yeah, like never thought of it that way, right? So it's great. You bet. Thanks for calling in to help Wanted. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to hear what happens when you're at markets and you start asking people what's wrong with their faces. (laughs) Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon. 